All right. Good morning, church. Thank you for having me. My name is Jeremiah Gilchrist. Um, I've got to speak a couple times at First Christian Corner. I thank y'all for having me back uh, during this time of captivity. I'm here at my house in Quanta. So um, hope everybody's doing well. Hope all the nurses out there, we're just praying for y'all and all the doctors, healthcare uh, professionals on the front lines of this. We're really lifting y'all up and um, I'm hoping this message can kind of lift y'all up a little bit this morning. Uh, I want to tell John thank you because he's been doing a great job on these videos. First of all, I've seen um, kind of the edits and everything. I was hoping he could do something cool in my video, you know, maybe put some graphics or something in the background to make me look cooler or something. But uh, I say this because when John had asked me a couple of weeks ago to speak, I was feeling, oh, I won't try not to hit the table and shake it. But uh, when he had asked me to speak, I had something planned. I was good with it. Um, with my youth group and everything, we had been talking about isolation, doing the Zoom meetings. And I had planned on, I had this all kind of prepared that I was going to talk about David and being in the caves and on the run and running from Saul and being in isolation. And I thank God that I tuned in a couple weeks ago and I saw Mr. Monday and listened to, I was on the, I was in the bathroom tiling a bathroom floor, had the iPad propped up and I started listening, tuning in to the sermon and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is exactly what I was going to preach on. And he did an amazing job. And now I know, and in that moment, I was like, well, God, thank you, because I know that I couldn't have delivered that any better than he did. So I knew that that word was not for me to deliver. So I was, oh, I don't know, it was kind of, because then I knew that everything God, he was just going to take me in and that I would have to push and he would challenge me to dig in deeper on what I was going to speak about today. So um, this sermon is actually called, I Had a Plan. And that's probably pretty fitting for everybody who's had a plan in these last couple of weeks and these last months and how everything has changed. I know a big part of it is um, the kids in school, all those seniors who had their senior years coming up and the plan has changed. It seems like we don't know what the plan is for tomorrow and that is changing every day. I had this sermon planned and that was not the plan. And in that moment, I had this, that, um, that verse from Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 just immediately came to me, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, not and not uh, my plans, but his. So our verse this morning, and this is where we're going to be preaching out of, um, our verse this morning comes from what was believed. I already messed the joke up. I was going to tell you this joke. Uh, I'll go ahead. It's too late. It's we who was believed to be the best looking prophet in the Bible, and that is the book of Jeremiah. That's the last and only joke in this writing, so you do not have to laugh at that at all. So we're going to be in Jeremiah 29, 11. I'll give you a moment to get there in your Bibles. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for you to prosper 
to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, this is one of my favorite verses and uh, not in the way you might think because I always remember verse 10 that happens right before verse 11. If we just read that verse right now today, it would be a very comforting verse. But um, sometimes I think if they would have combined verse 10 and 11 into one verse, then we may have not even quote this scripture at all. Um, verse 10 says that Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It goes on to say, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will find you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from this captivity. These verses bring me hope in this time. Uh, it brings me hope that even when God's people people are at their worst, he is going to bring them back to him. And um, this is a message of hope that was delivered. And this is something that gets taken out of context when we read this in Jeremiah. This message was delivered to the people who had been just stripped of everything. Um, they had watched family members die. They had been eradicated from their homes, drugged from their homes. Everything they knew was destroyed, and they were taken to a place called Babylon. Um, but it's they were taken to that place out of the Holy Land. Uh, Jeremiah spent 20 years warning the Israelites about the justice that was to, to come, that God would send Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar to uproot them from the Holy Land. God's people worshipped idols. Uh, they were There was lots of injustice. There was a lot of persecution of the weak. Um, their leaders were corrupt. They, they thought that they um, their people were corrupt. They, they even offered their sons and daughters as burnt offerings to idols and false gods. They stood behind the shield the shield of the Lord's name because they were God's people, but they still chose to live how they thought fit, how they saw fit. All the while, God said, if you would only turn from your ways and turn to me, I will let you live in this, live here and I will be with you. And this was the message that Jeremiah preached for 20 years and they didn't change and they were taken as captives. And you may be asking, all right, is this from God? Um, are you trying to compare this today that saying this is the judgment that God is bringing um, to us? And I can't answer that. And I, I say that because I think I could take this so many different ways in this sermon today, but I'm just going to kind of go with you of what I've witnessed these last couple months. And I'm sure... I'm sure if I told you in January that we were going to be living in isolation, that um, schools would be closed, social distancing, you would have to wear a mask. Um, some people, they wouldn't be able to go to work because they would have to shut down restaurants and you could only go through the drive through You would have laughed at me if I told you that uh, there would be a shortage of toilet paper, that you couldn't buy toilet paper you would have laughed in my face and say, why would we run out of toilet paper? That should be the last thing that we roll, you know, until all the trees are wiped out. Like, why are we out of toilet paper? 
you would have laughed at me. And um, we know words now today that we're never going to forget. Social distancing, quarantine, lockdown, COVID-19 virus, epidemic, pandemic. All these words are being thrown around us every day. I remember the night when all of this really first started. It was it was that night that I think it was the first night when we heard that the virus had come over to America. And I remember me and Stephanie watching the news and we were laying in bed talking about it. And I was telling her not to worry about it, that this is going to blow over. This is no big thing. But I remember that night the most is be just just because there was this huge full moon just beaming through our bedroom window and we could it just brought the whole sky was lit up and I just remember I had this eerie feeling in my stomach and I just knew I had all those different what-if scenarios running through my head you know how you can have a thousand thoughts at one time just go through your head was I prepared enough had I prepared my family enough um, did we have enough money in the bank? If this did get bad, what would happen? If I lost my job, you know, what could I do to survive? Where we could go fishing, we start all this stuff. I was my house prepared for a zombie attack. I, I have way too many windows in this health, in this house to handle something like that if that was gonna come. And I remember thinking about that that night, but I remember praying and I remember questioning some of the, financial decisions that I've made have I set my family up for failure and I'm sure like a lot of us a lot of those questions we've kind of been humbled in the fact that was kind of a checkpoint of how we're doing and what you've done to this point in your life to be prepared for something like that to come and whether or not this virus this epidemic uh, this pandemic is from bats or from a lab or from man is really irrelevant to us as Christians. Um, we know as Christians that God can use and turn all evil, all bad situation in things for good, in, to things to good. And um, that is why we can hang a cross on the wall and we can see victory in that. We can see something that was meant for death um, and that can be a symbol for life for Christians. Um, whether this virus is a judgment, a wake-up call, we can't deny that this has had some kind of effect on us all. And I don't believe all of this is happening for nothing. And that was kind of my message this morning. And I know some of us are so ready for everything to get back to normal. We just want to jumpstart our lives again and get back to what we were doing. And I personally, I'm on... Honestly, and I know the healthcare workers, all the people on the front lines are ready for this to be over. And believe me, I am praying for all of this to be over, but I don't want it to go back to the same. I want this, and this is what I've really been praying and dis discovering in this last couple of weeks. I want this time to change me as a person. I don't think this is all for nothing. And if God was trying to tell me something in this time that where we were confined to our homes, um, did you change? I gave you an opportunity to reflect on me and what kind of impact that had on my life. And the only way I could really put this into words is I thought about this. What In this time, what would I say to my grandchildren in response to this? If my granddaughter, my grandson, 
I'm 80 years old and they come up and ask me, hey, what did, what happened when y'all were all forced to stay in your homes and you had to stop and nothing was going on? What did you do in that time? And I don't want my answer to be, well, we, we really didn't do anything. You know, we, um, we watched a lot of Netflix, you know, they had this huge tiger, uh, documentary that, you know, swept the nation. It was pretty crazy. Uh, we mowed the grass a lot, you know, we took some walks. I don't want that to be my answer. And this is the message I kind of bring to you. And I challenge you in this week ahead, maybe you can find a piece of paper, write this down and stick it in your Bible and date it and keep that in your Bible. And maybe one day you can hand that down to your grandchild of what this time, your reflection on this time and what it really meant to you, or maybe it taught you something and I wanted, this is my answer to my granddaughter or my grandson, hopefully grandson, nothing. I've got two daughters, so they'll probably have all boys. So this is a letter. This is my answer to their question. And my answer would be, God woke me up. Hopefully this is my answer. This is my goal. Um, I would tell them that God woke me up in that time. He redirected my life. I realized and understood that what should take priority in my life. He helped me to understand that it shouldn't take a worldwide pandemic for me to realize how much I value my wife and my children, my two daughters, that it is my, it, that my most important ministry is being a husband and a father. He opened my eyes to when I gather with my family and friends that I need to put away my phone, hide it and put it in a hidden place and really engage and be there with them. Um, he taught me how to enjoy the time that we get to spend together. He rekindled that passion I had waking up and preparing my heart to what he was going to re reveal to me on a Sunday worship service. He taught me how to pray and lift up other believers there at church, sitting in the church pews next to me. He taught me to be silent, to be still, and be clear of mind through the cracks and the pops of the church pews where believers gathered in the house of the Lord. He taught me to appreciate those times in silence. He showed me the value of saying no and that I didn't need to fill my days with commitments. He showed me how much my job was to be a blessing and not a burden and that I should be a good steward with my income. He showed me how to give to those in need in that time. My eyes were opened in that time. The meals and dinners we ate together as a family tasted better. The prayers at the dinner table lasted longer. God revealed the importance and drive for me to teach my children to know the Lord. We prayed for our nation and the world. We prayed against the virus and it stopped. We prayed for the non-believers and the skeptics and the lost to be saved, and they were. He taught me that being still, that being still, I could hear him if I listened. He showed me that if I should seek him, I would find him. And when I would pursue him, that I would find him if I pursued him with all of my heart. He opened my eyes, for I had not realized how present he was this whole time. That is what my answer I want my answer to be when my grandchildren, when those generations after me ask me what I learned or how I lived during that time. That's what I want my answer to be. And it is easy for me to preach to y'all through this screen, 
But really, I want y'all to know that truly I am preaching to myself when doing this. Anytime I stand on a pulpit or give a message, it is first to be heard by me and to be known by me and for me to be that example of what I give. And I had these three things. Y'all should see what I had before when I was writing this and just how it's flipped. Um, but what God's done, I had three things. I always try to do three things when I give a sermon, give three points that you can build off to and apply to your life. And I am going to give you those three things from this message, but I want you to know I only got to like number one. I'm still doing number one out of these. And number one was identify your idols. And this is tough for a lot of us, but currently I'm taking inventory of my home, of my house, I'm taking inventory of the idols I have created in my own life and discovering all the things and all the different things that I have put in front of the only, the only real relationship that really matters. All these things that I've put in front of him. Um, this relationship with Jesus that I have is a reflection on everything, every conversation that I have with somebody. And if that relationship is not being tended to first, then I'm a fraud in anything that I do. I can't, I can't be there. I can't be a good friend if I'm skipping out on that relationship. I could be a better friend. Everything that you do in Jesus is reflected in everything that you do in this world. And that's what I got to spend time doing. I'm seeing that the time I dedicate to the Lord is a fraction of the time that I give to other things in my life. I learned this. I've learned that our time is the greatest offering we could ever give to our God. It is something our time is the only thing we can't get back. Um, we can give money. We can lose money. We can gain money. We could win the lottery tomorrow. But you can't give a moment and spend some time and listen to a conversation with someone. And you can't get that time back. Ask any parent here with their kids are gone and they're grown. You can't get that time back. And that's something I started to realize that that's what God wants from us most of all is that time spent in relationship with us. Don't be too hard on yourself. Um, identify what you have put in front of God and be humble in your search. Let this time humble you in your search. Don't be too hard on yourself because as I read through the book of Jeremiah, as bad as those people were, how they were living their life, God was always there just saying, just turn to me and I'll be there for you. I will be with you if you just turn to me and away from your ways. Choose me. Uh, number two, it says, know that God has plans for you to prosper. I'm still on number one, but I want you to know this so you can follow through on this. Not our plans, but his plans. We can't make our plans and say, God bless this plan. We can't make our own choices and say, hey, God bless this choice. We need to align our lives with his will and let God lead us through these times. That, that means taking the time to listen, pursuing the things that really have worth and give meaning to your life and not simply surviving and collecting a paycheck and keeping food in your belly in your belly. Let us find and discover a life with purpose and meaning. And number three was to seek and you shall find. And that's just a great place to leave you with today. My prayer for you is do this with all of your heart. Um, God makes it simple for us. He says, seek and you will find me. With your whole heart, you will find me. 
we as people will try to complicate this statement, but I know if we do this, we will know God. You will know God because I know this because he promises us this. He won't hide from us. He is always reaching out. Um, take this time in captivity as a time that you became close to God. Let this event in history be a testimony for the generations to come from your house to know that this was a time when you came to know who God really was. Um, I don't want this opportunity to pass me by as a man of God in just getting time to discover more of who he is. So I want to close us in prayer this morning. I want you to grab those around you. If the kids are still asleep, you, uh, you can pray over them. I let the kids sleep as long as possible. But um, grab anyone in your house, and I just want you to gather and pray together. And dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the, your word this morning. And God, just help us to reflect in this time of isolation, in this time of captivity, God, that we just don't go back to normal living when we are released, God. Let this have some kind of impact on our life that we are now able to look to you and dedicate the time that we have and reprioritize everything that we've been living these last, our whole lives, Lord, even, that we can refocus as your people to put you before all else, God. Help us to know that and see that, Lord, we lift all our health care professionals up to you, God. We lift the sick up to you, God. We just pray for you to end this virus, Lord. We This is a small thing for you to do, God. You could snap your fingers and this would be over. And we just continue to put your will, um, pray for your will to happen, God. And we just love you so much. And we thank you for loving us, God. Um, in your name, in your son's name, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. We'll see y'all down the road. Thank you.